This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What's up, guys? Uh, welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. We are here to continue talking about draft prospects. So if you are uh, burnt out by the draft process, I, I feel bad for you. But that's all we're going to be talking about as we get close to the culmination of the Browns' cycle of improving their team for 2021. The, the, the big news, or lack thereof, I think many people got their hopes up based off Josina Anderson's tweet yesterday and some of the information we have heard trickling out. I still think it's just a matter of time. It does seem as though the clowny visit was delayed for some reason. Uh, it does seem like the most serious interest is from Cleveland. I know there were rumblings about Baltimore and Indianapolis keeping tabs on Clowney, but it does feel like there is the most strong connection uh, between Clowney and an, and an actual roster lies in Cleveland, dating back to last year. I talked about it on the podcast I posted. Unfortunately, a little bit of an issue here at home. A uh, little man was sick, uh, unable to... Uh, get up and, and, and get this posted on YouTube yesterday. But if you want to listen, I did a quick 10 minutes on my podcast channel, the OBR Film Breakdown, on Clowny, my thoughts to that immediate news that had come out that night. So uh, if you would like to, uh, go check that out there. I won't delve too deep into it today. But this week we're going to have some good guests, uh, people that I want to know who their key prospects are, who are guys that they feel strongly enough that the Browns should take at various positions, and, and and usually we're going to look at the first two picks here, 26 and 59. Now, some things could happen with trades, but kind of like guys that they feel are, if they were a scout in the war room, who would you pound the table for? Guys that you believe in above all else. So we're going to bring in, like I said, a plethora of guests this week. We're going to start off with Corey Kennan. Corey does a nice job at the, with the first pick. And, 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 and listen, if you're not following his Twitter feed, I think he does a great job in his Twitter feed. Uh, his actual bio, I should say, his his username is going to be up here in just a moment when I bring Corey on. But, you know, make sure you follow people that put in the work. I think there are a lot of people that will have opinions, but are there folks that are displaying the actual tangible effort, putting up clips, talking about their thought process? That stuff to me is important. So when I see that stuff, I try to typically give those folks a platform to talk about their thoughts and, and why they believe in certain prospects, so on and so forth. So, I'm going to welcome in Corey now. Corey, how are you, man? I am not bad. So we're a couple weeks out, so sleep is getting is getting slim, but uh, I'm ready. I'm ready. Good, man. Good. Well, listen, I, I've had you on the draft show. We did a mock draft, and um, I know you shared a lot of your thoughts there. But, you know, in the midst of all of that, there's three people talking, Corey, and 
you know, you don't always get to talk about people you love because the, the board might fall a certain way or the player you really like might not be there or be too far out of a range of maybe where other people in the group are talking about taking somebody. So I really wanted to open this up for you to, uh, you know, share your opinion um, and, and, and give me your – and I'm going to try to do this with most of the guests this week – five guys that you truly believe in and why you believe in them. So I asked you this earlier. You gave me your answer, so I will put up a nice little um, – video slide here of the guys that you believe in and, and let's talk about them man. let's let's start you you lead it off you talk about why you believe in these guys and it, again it doesn't have to be I think the Browns are going to take this guy at 26 but if the board happened to have this guy on still available to select and the Browns are up you believe in them and tell me why because it would go around the table and they'd say hey tell me why you believe in this prospect so go ahead with uh Rashad Bateman first yeah, so I, especially with this clowny news, I am all aboard uh, best player available or potentially trade back if the value's not there. Again, knowing 18 to 20 first round grades, one of those dudes might not be there at 26. I get that. If, however, Rashad Bateman's on the board, I don't know if there's any offer I'm taking. I, I don't know if there's any way I'm trading out of the pick uh, and I'm taking Bateman. Um, came in a little bit smaller at his pro day than we thought. Um, but as the NFL is progressing to, to a more vertical attack, a more passing-oriented attack, um, body size is, is becoming less of an issue for wide receivers and more about um, their technicality on their routes, how they use their hands at the top of the routes, and how they separate. Those are the, the deciding factors with wide receivers these days. And, and while Rashad Bateman, yes, he ran a 4-4-3 uh, 40-yard dash at his pro day, doesn't have the overarching athleticism of Jalen Waddle or um, Jamar Chase, I think he, he, he does a really good job of, of nailing down the fine, the fine parts of, of being a wide receiver, um, whether that's at every level, at every level of the field as well. So um, whether that's um, a crisp release off the line of scrimmage, getting defensive backs on their heels, um, stemming his routes very well in order to, to create separation off of his breaks. And then at the top of his routes to be able to, um, to understand the subtleties uh, of how to use his hands at the top of routes in order to create another another window of separation as well off of his breaks. Um, when he works vertically, he's, he's pretty physical. So um, he doesn't have an issue working back over top of defensive backs. And um, when working vertically, that's a big way to, to separate is to, to stack defensive backs. And I think he does a great job of that. Um, his spatial awareness around the boundary, his body control, um, how he frames passes when he's got to go up and get him at the catch point. Um, Head to toe, this dude's an NFL wide receiver. So um, as the Browns maybe, uh, well, not maybe, they will have uncertainty with all three of their top three receivers heading into to 2022 probably. So uh, whether you need him to play X, he'll, he can play X. Whether you need him to play Y, he can play Y. And then in 2020, he played a lot in the slot as well. So um, if they if they draft him, uh, he'll be able to get his feet wet, I think similar to, to how CeeDee Lamb was able to in Dallas this past year where they, they had Cooper at the X, Gallup at the Y, and he was able to operate predominantly out of the slot. And then moving forward, I'm sure he's going to be, be become uh, the, the top dog in Dallas before long. So um, Bateman's a home run pick, and I think however they want to use him moving forward, he's he's the guy to go to. Is he? I, I'll ask you this on Bateman because I agree with all of that, especially the little subtle nuances of creating space and playing a little bigger than his frame. Some of those things stand out to me, especially. Is he in that group of top? the top of the first round guys, do you view him as somebody similar to, to Jamar, to, to Vante, to, to, I guess I'm looking at like, is he, in your opinion, does he belong in like a top 15 type of player? 
Oh, for sure. Yeah. So I, I have him as the fourth wide receiver. I think he's he's certainly below those guys, but I don't think it's mm-hmm. far. Um, the way I view it is I think Waddle's kind of in a world of his own in this class. I think Waddle's kind of, I mean, vertically, I can win at the catch point. I mean, we're not talking about Waddle, though. Uh, and then it, it comes down to, to Chase, Smith, and Bateman, who I think um, are kind of that next tier. Um, and so, yeah, I think Bateman is, is certainly in that. And then after four is when we start to get, okay, maybe these guys are second round, third round wide receivers. I'm with it. I do. And a good question here from Tyler Johnson kind of geared toward this was, is he available at 26? Is that realistic? I think it's certainly realistic, partly because I think the group in front of Cleveland uh, has bigger needs in wide receiver. And and they could be they could be in a situation where, like, I think Bateman in, in Baltimore would be a dangerous thing. There are some places mm-hmm. I think I really would prefer he stays away from. But for the most part, teams in front of them in the in the immediate, well, I don't know, say eight-pick range, have things that they need, I think, a little bit more than a wide receiver. I mean, the same could be said for Cleveland, whatever. But I think it definitely is a guy who could be available at 26. Kind of him and uh, the next guy that we're going to talk about. And, and listen, does it come down to, with Elijah Moore, a guy that a lot of us like? I mean... You know, when Odell Beckham's making comments about your route running ability, there, there are guys that real recognize real theory, like definitely a, a very good football player. I think he he set a record there in the SEC for the most, uh, was it the most receiving yards in a 10-game season? Something like that. He's on track to, to blow it away. So, um, and I, I, I probably a singular SEC setup there. But so for, for more... Is it the size? What's holding him back, in your opinion, from being a guy that is a clear-cut first-round player? I think it's got to be the size and maybe a little bit of his usage. So he did run only 22% of his routes from outside the numbers, um, which is still more than Rondale Moore, which is still more than Kadarius Toney. 22% is still a pretty good number. Um, So I struggle to to understand why he's he's not getting viewed as as a first-round guy or a guy who could play – Z at the next level. Um, mm-hmm. And he's, he's kind of being typecasted as predominantly a gadget or a, a slot receiver, uh, which I think a large usage will be from the slot. Um, but again, 22% of snaps outside the numbers is, is a great deal of snaps. Um, he's a really twitchy athlete. I think he, he set the record for um, maybe not set the record, but I think he ran predominantly the fastest three cone of anybody this, this draft cycle. Um, so like, he's really twitchy. He can, he can move, he can make people miss in the open field. Um, but he also displays a really good release package off the line of scrimmage as well. So if you can do that, you can push defensive backs on your heels and you can get open underneath. I didn't see an issue with him on film of, of getting open at every level of the field. Uh, I think he did a good job of sinking his hips on inbreaking routes. I think he does a good job of flipping his hips on outbreaking routes. So if you can win at every level of the field, and again, if you can separate, um, and his verticality is, is an added weapon as well. So something the Browns definitely need is, is to get vertical. Um, and that's definitely another weapon that, that, that he brings to the field as well. Um, so no, I don't, I don't understand why, why he's, I don't think he makes it to 59. No, I just, I can't see a world in which he gets to 59. It's too far into the second round. So maybe they get aggressive and go up for him. Uh, I just, I kind of don't think they view wide receiver as something that they need to trade up for, but they could love him. I don't know. I, I, I really like more if they found a way to get him. I think he'd be phenomenal here, especially with the with the different uh, assortment of alignment and things he can do, and uh, you know varying levels of the field he found success. So let me ask you this: I gave you, I asked you to give me five. The next two guys are at positions I think everybody would evaluate and say those guys are maybe a little bit more important to their success. If uh, Efecto Melifano, who we're going to talk about here. And then 
Aziz Olajari, which we're going to talk about in a minute. If those guys, like if all things are even, and all five of these guys that we're going to talk about are on the board here, uh, including uh, Hamza, the safety we're going to get to later, are you giving me the order of guys on which you'd pound the table for? Yeah, I'll do that. Uh, okay. So it would be Bateman one. Let's finish this and we'll come back. Okay. So, so talk good. about t- talk about yeah. Melifano first. Okay, sure. So. Ifatu Melifano is a guy that I've been on for a couple months. I love his game. Um, I've heard a lot of people say, well, he's a trade-back target. Could very well be a, a trade-back target. I'd take him at 26 as well if he was on the board. Uh, if, if, if the board fell the right way, I'd take him at 26 as well. Uh, they don't make a lot of dudes like him. He's kind of built in a lab, six foot two, 205 pounds. Um, usually cornerbacks with, with larger frames really struggle with their change of directions, the ability to sink and flip their hips. Uh, that doesn't appear to be the case for Melifano. Um Pretty twitchy for a dude as long as he is. Uh, and not only that, but he's not afraid to come down and, and punch somebody in the mouth. Um, working downhill either. So, I mean, playing in the ACC, his first game of the season, he put the straps on Deami Brown. Completely neutralized Deami Brown. Um, I would like to see a little bit more nuance off the line of scrimmage. So, I think he's really good with his feet, really good at mirroring, uh, really good at punching with his feet. But I, I think that that there's an element where he could use his length a little better up the line of scrimmage. Um, but as far as cornerbacks go in this class, I think there's only three better than him. I would take him before Newsom. I would take him before Stokes. I would take him before Campbell. I would take him before Samuel. Um, that's how much I, I really enjoy Melifon when I really like Melifon. Well, okay. Big, two big questions. Uh, first of which, well, there's one, one's not a question, more of a comment. I think if the Browns are interested in getting somebody who has a different body type, then, Denzel Ward, I think he's definitely the, the leading candidate. Um, specifically, you know, I think Newsom has a similar skill set to, to Denzel. He's Denzel Light mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in a lot of similar ways. And Asati Samuel's a similar body type as well. So if they want that bigger corner uh, for, for any number of reasons, guarding bigger targets, covering more ground, uh, longer length at the catch point, all of those things are very realistic. But the question I think that hovers around Elefanu is, what separates him from his brother? His brother failed in the NFL tested eerily similar, right? They blew the water out testing, right? Just just out of this world. At the time, Obi's was unheard of, right? I, I remember. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm being like this, 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 this combine darling, like, I don't know if you were looking at Obi back in the day. Maybe you were studying guys. Maybe you weren't. But what, what do you have an answer for what separates him from his brother's failure? Uh, yeah, he's got better film at the college level. Yeah. So Obi, Obi's t- tape coming out wasn't great. And I think uh, his testing numbers really pushed him up to the second round. Um, mm-hmm. 
but if you turn on Melifonwu's tape, his tape is tremendously better. Um, Melifonwu has versatility. He's played safety as well. So he's got a good understanding of where his eyes are supposed to go in zone coverage, uh, mm-hmm. how to split receivers uh, and different concepts. Um, so I, I think the short answer is that that his tape is just better than his brother's was by a pretty large margin. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Fair enough. Let's keep rolling. I think I just think it's a stigma that follows him. Unfortunately, it is. A fear. It, it is it it is it is falling. Well, let's talk about Aziz because the the draft class at the end, uh, you know, if they sign Clowney, it gets a little less. Not that it was pressing before, but there was like, hey, it'd be nice to get a DN, and I could like in the back of my mind could creep in. I would really like to have a more talented player there than maybe, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit more insurance and tack and, and Porter Gustin. So you're looking at this group at the end of the first round. A guy like Jalen Phillips could be there. I think his his tape is good enough without without any kind of injury history that he's dealing with, he'd be higher, but he, he could be there. But I'm talking about there's like a cluster of kind of maybe Quiddy Pay sneaks into this group. I definitely think Joseph Asai will be there. Mm-hmm. And then Aziz will mate. I think Aziz is creeping up. I really think he's going to end up going top 20. But if he's there, sell me on what you like about him. And, you know, there. listen, I'll let you answer the big question here, which is a lot of people try to say this, not that I agree with it. He is not big enough to play 4-3 DN. So talk to me about it. I don't, I don't see issues with his functional play strength on film at all. Um, no. I, I have a soft spot for, for edge defenders who are willing to work at containing the edge to the extent of completely putting their body in the line to stand up pulling guards. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Aziz Ojolari does not, does not struggle at all. You turn on the Bama tape. He's going against Deontay Brown and Emil Acoyer, I think is how you pronounce his last name. Mm-hmm. Two of the bigger guards in, in, in college football. And he's, he's playing with great leverage keeping his, his outside leverage clear and standing those boys up. So um, sure he's undersized, but he's, he's got 34 and a half inch arms and, and he, his functional play strength's there on tape. So I don't have any reason to question it. Um, whether they have a certain body type they prefer across from miles, a more bendier dude, that's, that's a different story, but functional play strength wise, n- absolutely not. He he's only 20 as well. I think he turns 21 in season. So there's obviously plenty of time to to continue to put on weight. I mean, I would hope that between 20 and 24, when you really kind of fill out your actual frame, he, he puts on 10 to 15 pounds. So um, certainly Gus not done growing. Where is he in, uh, among your, your overall edge group? Uh, he's, is number he, is he, he's number one. This is a okay. really hard edge class to figure out. It but is. For the most part, I really struggle with stiff edge rushers. And I think dudes who have more bend to them, um, more ankle flexion, uh, just overall a lot more athletic, ability i tend to to go towards um so quitty pay i I would take quitty pay too uh i just have seen more nuance with um ojalari and the way that he uses his hands how to build combos how to how to counter attack um when when an offensive tackle puts him on his heels um pay's got the athletic ability but i i still struggle to see refinement with pay um so that would be between those two but i definitely lean towards ojalari yeah you definitely i mean you in my opinion the bendier you can be because in the NFL, tackles are just so good at hitting depth mm-hmm. that if you don't threaten their high side, you're rarely going to win. You're just rarely going to win unless some weird thing happens, a quarterback creates a sack for you because 
you have to you have to scare tackles with speed. You just do because so many of those guys are able to anchor bull rush, and you think you can. The only reason guys like Miles win bull rush is because you got tackles that are scared shitless of being beaten bears to the high side that they they give up they give up torso, and it and it allows it allows guys who have that ability to speed to power do that. So you got it. You you have to at least have it. I think Aziz is not necessarily the most bendy prospect, but he can do it. There are flashes on tape of him being able to do it. So, um, yeah, I like I like Aziz a good amount. Let's talk about your last guy. It, it, safety is still a spot they want to add to. Talk to me about Hamza. Yeah, so I would be shocked if the Browns took a linebacker before day three, and it's a guy who's athletic and pl- could play special teams. And then I think they're going to prioritize those hybrid safeties, the JOKs, which he's probably not going to be on the board, the Talano Hufangas, the, the Jacoby Stevens, and the, the Hamza Nasseraldine. So Hamza's kind of a mystery. Nobody kind of knows where he's going to go at this point. He's just kind of got this cloud over him. He's got that ACL tear, and then he didn't test because I, I don't know if he's fully healthy. He only played two games this year as well. So he only did the vertical jump, I think, was the only one. Mm-hmm. And he jumped like 32, which wasn't great. But again, he's six foot four, um, and if he's playing predominantly nickel dimebacker, coming downhill, uh, setting the edge, I don't have a problem with that a whole lot. Um, but he's sticky and off man as well, so I have a, another soft spot for for safeties who are kind of sticky and off man. Um, and people were watching reps of him at the Senior Bowl, like the really only live action we got of, of Hamza this year. And I think a wide receiver beat him vertically, where it was like a. a seven seven step drop or something like that and i was like that's not gonna matter in the nfl nobody's nobody's holding the ball that long to get a to get it over top of a safety so um sure. very good underneath uh very sticky he, he, he can flip his hips quite well very strong yeah. at setting the edge um so i think he's the ideal candidate um and he, he just turned 22 so still very young for being a senior um he'll hit you too man he, he plays fearless that's mm-hmm. for sure yeah. And a good and a good guy to kind of groom alongside Ronnie as well. Mm-hmm. And those guys play a a similar brand of football. So um this is this is good, man. These these are great answers, Corey. I wanted you to talk about your five guys. You laid out five people that you clearly prefer the Browns to take in some form or fashion. Obviously, it's not all things equal all the time, but uh let's yeah, before we part, give me these five guys you have. If all five are on the board, kind of rank those five for me. Yeah, so starting at five, it'll be Nasir Dean. So Nasir Dean would be a guy. I doubt he goes before fifty nine, but I would even I don't know where he's going to go. So yeah. he might be a guy eighty nine ninety one who's still on the board who would be a really good candidate for the Browns. So I, I'm going to put him at five. Uh, Melifon was at four. Uh, the, the other the other four guys are dudes I would take at twenty six, but definitely Melifon yeah. at four. Um, he might be there if they get a trade back into the early second round if they mm-hmm. they decide to move back. Um, Elijah Moore, the same way, another dude, I'd take it 26 or I'd take it a trade down. Um, I just don't, I don't buy that his value is as low as mock draft simulators are, or, or where, you know, some, some people's big boards are. I think the NFL is probably a lot higher on him than, than the media is. So, um, Moore's three, Aziz Ojalari's two, um, obviously edge is still a big need. Um, and I just really love his tape and I think he's an excellent player and the Bateman's going to be one for me. So, um. Rashad Bateman's the dude I would take if he's there. If they're all there, I'm taking Bateman. Okay, good stuff, Corey. This is Corey Kennan. Again, you follow him. His, his, his at down there at the bottom. I hope you can see it. 
Uh, we'll get rid of this here so it enlarges our screen a little bit. At Real Corey Kennan, he's got great draft insight. We'll have any conversation with you social media-wise. Read his content, too. Doing great work, Corey. We will definitely touch base after the draft, my man, and uh, get some thoughts on this thing. So I really appreciate you taking time. Absolutely, Jake. Anytime at all. Appreciate it. All right, man. Yep. All right, that is a wrap for us. We are going to um, definitely have more of these types of conversations with people vouching for their players at 26 and some other spots of key interest. I will also um, start tomorrow. We are going to have an OBR big board that myself and Stephen Thomas are going to start. We'll probably talk about it on the podcast this week, kind of looking at each position and talking about guys that fit for the Browns. So, for example, when we look at quarterback, we're not going to talk about Trevor Lawrence. We're going to talk about maybe five late guys that could interest the Browns. If we look at the end, we're going to look at everybody who's of interest, right? Like kind of sorting it out from there. So we will have that, and I will start tomorrow after we have our guest looking at an individual prospect and highlighting them and doing a deep dive on them for you on the podcast that will be after we visit with the guest. So we will do that on every single one of these up until the draft. And we will obviously do deep dives with interviews on every player that they do end up drafting. So listen, thank you for joining us about 50 people or so hovering uh, in this, in this podcast, which is, which is great. Uh, I hope you do subscribe to this channel, get notified every time we go live and then uh, make sure you're subscribing to the podcast channel as well uh, because that's that's a great way to get the content if you have not already checked it out. So uh, thank you again for joining. We will have uh, a specific – I'm thinking gearing one of these in the next week or so to specific user – or sorry, uh, listener or viewer questions the entire time. So if you have some of those, I will let you know what day that is. But anyway, appreciate you guys jumping on, listening, and uh, we'll be back tomorrow with another great guest. Until then, go Browns. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.